what is this? What was what that put in there? This was the most extra thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Champs. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arte. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year when a study on micro expressions revealed that when we see fearful facial expressions, the part of our brain responsible for fear increases. So we see people scared, we get scared. And that's what I learned about micro expressions this week. <laughs> So for you, as Teen Titans go, for me, is the use of micro expressions is what will make <laughs> me, that will almost break me in this podcast. <laughs> well, speaking of microaggressions, oh, well, actually, microaggressions. <laughs> These kind of macroaggressions for you. Yes, yes. There is a big macroaggression in our continuing coverage of today's episodes of Young Justice uh, we are now in the finale of season three. That is right. We are finishing up Young Justice Outsiders today. That means we are 75% of the show done. And the next thing coming up for y'all will be the final season of Young Justice. Uh, we are covering two episodes here today to finally finish out the spelling of the prepare the anti-life equation. Though I don't think there's any mention of the anti-life equation at all in these next two episodes. Um, um one. Just literally one. one. <laughs> Just one. Okay. Well, we do we don't talk about life, but we do talk about love because the timing of these episodes takes place between February 14th to February 28th. So we get to celebrate not only Valentine's Day, but also President's Day. Um, so we are covering the episodes 25 called Overwhelmed and episode 26 called Nevermore. And because of the completion of this story, the completion of the equation, figured that it might be a good idea to call this one the new end question mark. Uh, okay. Because that is, yeah, because that is exactly how we were feeling when we first heard it got canceled again. <laughs> yeah, the confusion on our faces once more of like y'all just came back. In fact, that was not a micro expression I had on my face when they canceled it for the <laughs> second time. It was a macro expression. Dad's just going to the store to get some milk. <laughs> <laughs> so our cast list is pretty big for today, but. Because honestly, it is like everybody has returned. It's like, like you will say, Andrew, it's like smash. Everyone's here. <laughs> um, but we do have some uh, characters who do have some big moments, such as Nolan North, who has been voicing our Superman, our Superboy, as well. And a couple of the characters, including reviving his role as Baron Dalam, a.k.a. Bedlam. Uh, Carrie Payton is showing off his Edgar Allan Poe skills today as the Black Lightning. Stephanie Lamellon, uh, we haven't heard her voice as the computer, the, uh, the ZetaTube AI system for a while, but she continues to provide her voice as Artemis, aka Tigress, 
in a very pinnacle scene and closing up a storyline here. And last but not least, from beyond the grave, there's no way you could duplicate this in any way, shape, or form. We have Jason Spizak, who is finally taking a... Well, not actually, he does voice Fred Bug with two Gs here in today's episode. But he also returns the voice of Wally West and he provides a ghostly voice for this character here today. Ooh. <laughs> yes, that's actually what he said to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now that our cast list is set and our stats are set as well, let's say the tube over to the beginning of Overwhelm. So we pick up right where we left off and all the Meditines across the universe have been brought back. Mew says 317 to be exact. So, understandably, the center is overwhelmed. They did not have enough Capri Suns and PB&Js <laughs> for everybody. Uh, we understand why. And while everyone is celebrating over this news, we see Leanne is away from her parents for once. Well, I should say her parent and her aunt. And she's playing with the kid Flash doll. And meanwhile, Will is setting up date night because <laughs> it is Valentine's Day. Yes, yeah, so after 20-odd episodes, 24 or so to be exact, this long game of cat and mouse. Hmm. Um, yes, yes, anti-mouse, I should have said, actually. <laughs> Will has tried to see if there is something really there with Artemis. So when Artemis walks through the front door, she sees this table set up, and Will explains that he arranged for Violet to babysit Leanne over at the tower so they can have a night to themselves because he feels that it's time for them to talk about what it is that they're trying to do here. What is this a relationship? Is it a situationship? Are we just like in-laws who are just are very close to one another? And Artemis finally decides to shut him up by placing a finger on his lips and the two of them exchange a kiss here. Unfortunately, the two of them pull away rather quickly, Artemis specifically, apologizes to Will and just runs up to her room and starts to cry. Yeah, we knew Will was a bad kisser, but to this extent, <laughs> no, but it is very clear that by looking at a photo, Artemis is just not ready to get let go of Wally. He is still weighing heavily on her mind. So as she takes a minute to sit with that, we see Forger who's also struggling with his own issues because he's been wearing this amulet so long, pretending to be human. And he's saying, it now feels like an albatross around my neck. You know, that's some literary stuff for you guys. And he really wants to be able to be himself, to be natural. So Superboy's like, I got you, fam. And takes him to Geranium City, where it's seemingly full of normal people until all of a sudden the illusion breaks and the genomorphs from season the season one are back and they apparently made an entire town where they can live in freedom so it looks things are going pretty good for a forger so let's keep the good times going with with geoforce what's what's our little boy geo doing well geoforce he is over in beverly hills having the time of his life um this is because he is finally in a room with his brother and his sister this is a reunion that has not happened in quite some time. So obviously, because of this, Gregor, um, he flew in from Markovia under, I don't know how he got in, because apparently he wasn't supposed to be there. Um, so we're not going to talk <laughs> about that. Uh, but the three of them embrace. And he's Gregor is ecstatic because this is, again, the first time he's seen Tara in so long. So, you know, she's telling him that we're just going to 
um, be there for each other. But she does say that she just needs to use the bathroom. And as she goes into the bathroom, she pulls out her phone and sends a text to Deathstroke saying that Gregor has secretly flown out of Markovia to visit them. So now it's time to implement whatever plan that he has in place. Mm. Meanwhile, we got to I don't know if this is still in Beverly Hills. Um, I'm assuming it's not. But we hop back over to the willow tree that Artemis first brought Violet over to when Satana was having her annual meeting with her father slash Dr. Fate. But Artemis is now there with Satana. And she's surprised to see that McGann and Raquel, a.k.a. Rocket, is there to as just as apparently as support. Yeah, the the two heroines are there to support a process because Zatanna is going to let Artemis commune with Wally. But the catch is that if she doesn't get back by sunrise, Artemis will be lost in this limbo state forever. And Zatanna keeps saying she doesn't want to do this. It's too much of a risk. But Artemis is like, yo, I will find somebody with dark magic. I'll, I'll call Clarion if I need to to get this done. So you better do it for me. And um, Zatanna eventually gives in to Artemis' demands and sends her to Limbo. And right away, Artemis makes out with Wally because she finds him there looking jacked. Is he our most jacked character? <laughs> I, you know what? I was going back and forth between Wally and one of the genomorphs who was the biggest one of all named Karen which mm -hmm. I couldn't stop laughing at. But I'm going to have to give it to my boy, Wally, because clearly he out here lifting them dumbbells and ringing them heavily bells, I guess. I don't mm -hmm. know what it is. Dude is jacked. Like, cyborg guardian jacked. What happened up in heaven, yo? <laughs> Who knows? But, so they meet and reconcile. Meanwhile, Leanne is sitting around playing in the tower when her eardrums are probably blown out by the boom tube that appears behind her. And it revealed that Metron is scooping up her, Violet, and Cyborg to have a little chat. Yeah, so we teleport them to a place unknown. It literally on the on the thing said unknown. But I was just like, <laughs> this looks a lot like the source wall. Like, so, which I'm hoping it is. Mainly because Leanne was just floating around in space. <laughs> she is very happy about being where she is. Metron does confirm for Violet and Victor that she is safe. Leanne is safe because he wants to have a conversation with his granddaughter and his grandson. And it's shocking to hear this, but it's even more shocking when cyborg and violet try to open their mouths but the only sounds that come out are the sounds of a mother box and a father box yep it's just ring dings you know like that weird text in microsoft word basically like that <laughs> and they are basically just he's like heads up grandkids you pissed off dark side he will come back for you go home <laughs> he just sends <laughs> them home that's all he wanted to do he couldn't have that conversation on earth for some reason Right. I think he was just still salty about getting beat up. <laughs> like, I, you know what? I believe that. I believe that. He was like, I, I could I could do some things. I'll pull you from where you are. <laughs> so meanwhile, Artemis, her fantasy advances further. Now she's pregnant, living in a house with Wally. And he keeps expressing that he's a little worried about her because there is a deadline on this. But she's like, no, we're having fun. It's all good. Meanwhile, we go back to Geranium City where... They talk about how they got back here. They were like, yeah, Lex was running the ops of keeping them <laughs> underground. And 
in a mo- in a scene that I was like, come on, guys, really? Um, basically, the aliens were allowed to go free, and they were brought over to Geranium City on an ark, an ark, an Old Testament ark, Green Lantern thing. Why are we do? What is this? Why? Why this, was that put in there? This is the most extra thing I've ever seen in my life. Come on, it's like. And Superboy is there kind of like greeting them all like he's working in Walmart, just saying, here's where you can put up this thing and that thing. And also helping the um, helping the genomorphs to build out Geranium City for themselves. Uh, it is it, it's a nice scene, um, but this is what causes Donovan Dabney, the um, the person who is in charge of geranium city i also just realized donovan dabney from the death and return of superman <laughs> oh. that, um, he, yes that is the that was the reason why i was like why does his name sound so familiar to me it is a um very much connected to the genomorphs of what happened in that movie but he's a genomorph now himself duplex this is his um alter ego he shares that even though they have built this wonderful new life he admits that the illusions have made them accepted by the outside world, but they still feel really out of place. This brings up some more conversations, but we can't talk about that right now because we have to head on back to Wally and Artemis, who have welcomed a new baby. A very, like, little, very much looks like a ver- baby version of Wally. You know, Artemis is talking about she's teaching complete. Wally is teaching physics, which makes so much sense for a speedster to teach physics. And again, they're like, Artemis. You need to leave soon, but it is clear that she is not going to. So again, we come back to Geranium City, where even though Forger is discouraged about hiding himself, he's like, look, on my planet, prejudice goes unanswered. But at least here, prejudice can fight prejudice. So he decides, I'll join the outsiders. I'll be the face of this movement for you guys. And basically, he's being heralded here. But Dubex turns to Connor and goes, will you help Brother Connor? And I was like, why do you sound like Malcolm X? Like, Yo, starting a revolution. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was. I was I was waiting for him to be like, yo, we got to we gotta change the game out here. You know, take take the fight to them. And I was like, hold on now. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> fight the power. <laughs> like, what? Wait a minute. <laughs> that sounds familiar. But he points out, like, Superboy has not openly said, hey, I'm a clone. Everyone just assumes he's like an alien cousin of Superman. So they don't know what he really is. And Superman, Superboy is not really a public hero either. So he, they want him to do more for their race. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's, it's kind of fitting that in this episode, Donovan Dabney is a black man. <laughs> <laughs> Free of love. Voiced by Phil Lamar. I don't think it's a coincidence. Now that we've had this new um, racial push introduced, we cut back to WandaVision. I mean, Artemis and Wally. <laughs> oh, my God, it is WandaVision. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, of course, there's a knock on the door, and dang, it is answered by a witch. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Tana all along. <laughs> and a black woman comes to break her, help break her out of the illusion. So now that we are finishing up this DC's version of WandaVision here, Santana comes to the door with McGann and Raquel, who claim that they just want to come and see the baby, but Artemis shuts the door back on them. 
Um, this is when Wally turns the tables on her and tells her to look outside. And she comments on how she can see everything that they need for the two of them right here in this room. But he keeps pushing her and asking her, it's like, come on, what do you see when you look outside as she starts getting really solemn here? He even flips it even further as he asks her, what's the gender in the name of our baby? When Artemis is unable to answer this, she starts panicking and starts saying that, like, we can never figure out a name for it. And this is when Wally helps to break her out of the mindset that she's in when he asks her, it? You mean to tell me you can't tell me what is the biological sex or gender of our child here that you have in your hand or rather no longer have in your hand? And as she looks down, she sees that all she's holding is air. Mm. No, yeah, I was going to say it's a twisted magic trick. But Wally is making a point and tells her, look, I understand the grief and what it's done to you, but you have to open the door and either let people in or walk through it yourself. But you've been helping other people. Someone has to help you through this. Don't throw away your life on a memory of what was or dream of what it could have been. I was like, woo. Wally mm. with that knowledge. Facts. So after this, Artemis returns back to Earth. She makes a Christmas Carol reference saying the spirits have done it all <laughs> in one night. And here's where we get a little uh with her friends because it's revealed that it was all an illusion. Zatanna and McGann's combined powers basically created this dreamlike state. Artemis was never really in danger of losing her mind. She never really went to limbo. It was all an illusion for her friends. Once again, proving everybody on her team are liars. <laughs> yes, everyone is sketchy. Um, they do promise, though, to tell her at some point in the future whenever they feel that she's ready. But this leads into Artemis finally making her way back home. Um, Will is cleaning up all the dishes. I do have to wonder what happened to all that food. I don't even mm. know what it is, but I'm just mm -hmm. tight if he had to throw any of that away. So Violet comes into the room with Leanne, and he asks her if anything happened, and she says it was a normal night, and I need to know what kind of normal night you be having where your the child in your care ends up in a parallel, like some weird skull-shaped mm. demon fire dimension. <laughs> hey, maybe Metron comes over and plays ball with them once a week. We don't know. <laughs> I guess Metron is I guess, probably like a good great-granddaddy or something. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have $5? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now that Will is just... Will goes back to washing dishes, but then this is when Artemis walks in soon after, and he immediately starts to apologize for making an inappropriate move on her which she stops him and says that she was open to the idea and even thinking about taking the next step for quite some time. However, she's good. she does feel like she's not in a place to be in that kind of relationship right now, but promises him that she will always be there for him and Leanne as, he, as she gives him a kiss on the cheek. Because at this moment, this is when Will even says, Okay, good, because after our kiss, it did, it did feel like it was the wrong move in general. And I feel like you also felt that. And mm. it's this was a nice moment because I think when we have so many stories that try to push people together just because of like, in this case, it was like a, it was almost like a trauma bonding um, mm. mm -hmm. that 
not saying that it came out of left field, but also it just seemed weird given the time, given the fact that they weren't, they were, they weren't really like trying, it didn't really seem like they were building a relationship. And I think that Artemis personally would not try to like move in on her sister's, I don't even know if it's an ex-husband, I'm assuming baby daddy here. Mm-hmm. Um, It just felt kind of forced. And I'm glad that it turned it around and just said, hey, this felt forced because of our circumstance we're clearly trauma bonding here we should just continue to be friends yeah it's a really mature way to handle the plot line and yeah it would have been way too weird considering mm-hmm. the relationship they've made so again you know if the episode ends too happy that's because they're not ending it happy <laughs> so elsewhere we find out that baron bedlam has escaped prison and staged a coup um he did this while um, the king was out visiting his siblings and Lex as a representative says there's good people on both sides so you know borrowing from Trump and uh, says <laughs> that he's not going to send the Justice League over so now knowing that Geoforce says look I'm going to go over with the outsiders and take care of my country myself which leads to our final episode of season three, Nevermore. Yes, we open up to Gotham, where Jefferson shows up on Oracle's doorstep and she comments that she expected him two minutes ago. Uh, Jeff is trying to, like us, I think Jeff was listening to the news uh, that was happening in the background and he shares of all asking him what's happening in Markovia. Oracle explains that Lex banned the Justice League from joining in, so the Outsiders are going to go in to help. And this is where we get a run-through of everything that's happening. So Black Canary and Red Tornado are observing Lex, Lex Luthor's, like, social media accounts, making sure, or rather, observing Lex as he's watching his social media accounts. (laughs) It's a weird following (laughs) Um, meanwhile, in Markovia, she explains that the Outsiders are already in the bio ship camouflage. Uh, Miss Martian is leading Gamut Squad to prevent Simon X from killing people who are loyal to King Gregor. And it's a very chilling scene because it's just a scene of Simon X at a graveyard with some goons <laughs> or henchmen. And I'm wondering, were they just like immediately killing people? I mean, why waste time, you know? Like... If- <laughs> he has I'm um, just shocked that they didn't even waste time with like the whole burial. They were like shoot shoot bang bang dig dig. It, it, it's mm-hmm. it was very quick. It's an efficient kingdom. What can we say? <laughs> um there should be a not applauded. But in any case, should, there should be a book about this. <laughs> yeah, war crimes. <laughs> and so we also get we also get this commentary that the league is gambling on the team big. Like the outsiders need to pull off this W. Meanwhile, the light is betting that they'll fail, especially because T- Tara is on the inside of it. So now they're like, we'll even sacrifice Tara as a mole if it means winning this mission, which is them failing to stop this coup. And furthermore, they're going to order Tara to kill Beast Boy in public to completely break public trust in the Outsiders. So with all this set up, they rush into the nation and Nightwing's team is getting ready to get done. But Vertigo is there again, prompting, what do I always say? If I said it once, I said it a hundred times. If you are part of the Bat family, nose plugs, earplugs at all Mm -hmm. times, not occasionally you run into somewhere 
put these on because you get clowned so many times by scent and sound based villains. Stop. Just wear the plugs. Listen, we're not sponsored in any way, shape, or form, but I personally have a pair of loops that I'm pretty sure could do, <laughs> do some, do, do like a great job against Count Vertigo, who has taken too many W's in this, in this whole entire series so far. Mm-hmm. It is despicable to me that this man is still walking around winning. And speaking of taking W's, Bedlam comes to face Tara and Brion because they figured this is where they would meet him. And Tara tries to earthbend him and nothing works. He eats Beast Boy's punches like they're chicken tenders because and he is extremely hungry because every punch does not work and even breaks Beast Boy's arm which breaks his arm also in his normal form, which brings up a lot of questions about if he has a tail in his animal form and it gets hurt, does he feel hurt afterward? I don't know. I just need to know, does he just break his butt? Is that how that works? Like, I, I, I'm curious. Like, if he breaks a wing, is it an arm? I, I don't know. But I do know that Beast Boy is taking a big L here, so Nightwing has to bring it back to the hero side. Yes. And meanwhile, as this is also happening, we do see that Oracle and Jeff are watching this video of the entire fight going down. Shout out to this cameraman because my man is in the thick of it <laughs> and he is surviving somehow. Um, no notes. This man, a, <laughs> this man a raise. Um, and this gives Oracle and Jeff an opportunity to figure out who's there. And wh- so he decides to call up Cyborg and tells him that they have a new mission. Um, and we don't know yet what this mission is, but we do see that everybody else is tackling some other things. So we got El Dorado and one of the girl who are, who have finished, um, fighting Simon X and his group. So they stopped the grave digging or grave burying. I don't know what they're, again, we don't know what I don't know. What um, are you doing? <laughs> we do see that Nightwing, which I gotta say, and I, I know that I buried the lead leading up to this. Nightway threw a nightstick <laughs> and <I count laughs> Vertigo to knock him out. And I gotta say to my boy, thank you. That's what we needed to do all this time. Why has no one hit this man in the head? <laughs> this man is too dangerous <laughs> to live. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, we also see in the Batcave that Batman and Robin are watching the battle again through the same video feed with Wonder Woman and Aquaman. And they're joined by basically the entire Arrow family and Orphan. And <laughs> This is when they all see that Geoforce melts the ground to trap Bedlam, and my man just let loose. He's like, this is for king, this is for country, this is for honor, everything. He is finally taken down Bedlam, trapped him in, so this is where Bedlam surrenders, but Geoforce starts contemplating, why was this surrender too easy? And as he's about to take another strike, Beast Boy stops him, telling him that we don't do this, And this is where we hear another voice come up saying, this is the perfect time to do this. Yeah. So Tara is lifting a big rock, ready to attack, ready to crush Beast Boy. And this is when Artemis comes and says, Tara, don't do this. We know you're the mole. And we're like, okay, how do you know that? (laughs) So (laughs) back in the episode (laughs) where Batman was spying on Slade, Batman read Slade's micro expressions and from there was able to tell that Slade was lying about the whole situation. And based on that, they figured out that Terra was the mole 
And the whole reason they didn't bust her was because they wanted to give Tara the choice of whether to be a heroine or not. I think this could have been handled a different way. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> but it wasn't. And that's how they found out. So Tara, remembering her family in light of everything the team and the various teams have done for her, she says, I'll take a risk. I'll and decides not to betray the team. But Brion is obviously a little bit upset about this additional betrayal. Elsewhere, I do like how they did this where um, Cyborg is able to hack into the villain feed. Mm -hmm. And with Cyborg's powers, but <laughs> Kari Payton, who voices Black Lightning, even though he's not Cyborg, he appears as the digital presence on screen. So something, I think it's kind of cool how they made him like, gave him like a Cyborg power for a second. And he lets Lex know things aren't going to go good for you, bro. Yeah. And he does this by quoting the, uh, I think it's like the intro lines to Edgar Allan Poe's uh, The Raven. Uh, so hence the title of our episode being Nevermore. Uh, I did like that a lot. I think it was a very cool scene, um, especially because Lex, not only does he, they get all the information proving that the second Terry General of Lex Luthor, I think that was his title, um, that he's been behind all this like meta human trafficking and everything. We also get a chance to see Lex yelling at Deathstroke about the micro expressions. It's like, you let Batman read your micro expressions? <laughs> I'm sorry. Was I not supposed to let that happen? <laughs> I don't even know how to stop that from happening. And this is where, because they have all this information, they feel like they have this win. Except for, like, as we mentioned, Geoforce, who is quite upset still about the betrayal from his sister, the betrayal from his team. And now someone is coming up to put a little piece of, wor like, words and thoughts in his head. As we have Zaviad Balzalvi. I am so sorry for butchering that name for people out there. <laughs> um, he is one of the, I guess, like the head, one of the leaders within Markovia. And he's telling the people that look at this, look at what our prince did. Our prince returned. He stopped the guy who was trying to destroy their country. So we should cheer for him. Um, Clearly, our other our king did not do anything to help us. We don't even know where he is. But this man, this hero, in fact, is the one that we should be praising, the one that should be ruling us. And this starts getting into Geoforce's head. Um, at that moment, but Bedlam, he does escape, but Geoforce is able to melt the ground to capture him one more time. And as we are thinking that, all right, this is it, this is done, uh, Geoforce showed us that his name truly is Hot Lava. When he starts pouring molten lava from his arm down the throat of Bedlam, killing him on the spot. Yeah, this is quite <laughs> shocking uh, because, yeah, they're not killers, but he does it on public, on TV, and now people are hailing him as a king that gets things done, that takes care of the country. And as they're chanting, Brion calls his own sister a murderer, even despite what, you know, he just did. <laughs> and being hailed as a king, he's like, yo, I'm only born 16 minutes after my brother. What is that? I'm a hero. I have powers. I'm in command. 
I'm going to take the the throne. So he says, Tara, if you support me, I'll absolve you of your crimes. You're good to go. Violet, get over here. Let's rule this king and queen. But both women refuse, saying they'll take their chances outside of Markovia because Brion has gone too far. So his first act as a king is to tell Nightwing, take your people out because I am not dealing with this. So the heroes leave, kind of tails between their legs. They have a victory here in Markovia, but they lose Brion in exchange. So to kind of try to see what they could recoup from this, Black Lightning accuses Luther out in public in front of the entire world stage, saying, doing Lex's ties to the metahuman trafficking, all the bad things she's done. And Lex, of course, calls it fake news, denies it. Illusion. (laughs) It's an illusion. But finally, to break the tie, Superboy steps out, (laughs) called unknown in the lower thirds. Yo, word. (laughs) Unknown accused. And he reveals, I'm a clone. Lex Luthor made me. And they really need, he really needs to answer for his crimes. So now, for a moment, the heroes can seem to relax. I do want to point out there was a scene in Geranium City where, as Superboy announces, um, you know, everything about him, it was one little genomorph <laughs> who was looking out like, yo, that's my boy. <laughs> you see him <laughs> on the news? <laughs> he didn't actually say it, but you saw it in his face. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now that we have all this solved and now Luthor as secretary general has been um, voted out on no confidence um, by ambassador Garth. This is where we see that Dick and Barbara are watching this news program stating that Lex has been forced to resign from the United Nations. Uh, She hears that ambassador Troya is the leading candidate to replace him. The outsiders in the league are now trending positively on social media. And as a result of all this, the bad signals back up. And most importantly, the biggest one of all, Tara Markov has been released into the custody of her brother, Gregor, um, and as part of her rehabilitation and probation, she's going to be working with the outsiders to continue doing good deeds until she can finally absolve herself of her crimes. That's how you Uh, do it, Ocean Master. Work release. Word. I don't know what he was trying to do. (laughs) And that's why you lose your head, Ocean Master. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, meanwhile, back in Markovia, uh, Kimbrion is re- saying he's refusing to see her, but Zivad shares that there's a woman that truly wants to make up for her mistakes and feels that he deserves a second chance. As we see Helga Jace walking into the throne room, smiling at her quote-unquote son. Mm. I would not. <laughs> I, I just simply would have not. <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the light is having their meeting. They still still feel like they won despite Lex having all his legal issues now. Oh gosh, this is so fitting to our current times. <laughs> uh, so, and they do feel that there is time for them to include a new member uh, because now it does seem that they have a bit more control of Markovia thanks to their puppet king and the newest member of the light, Zivad, who is a, apparent shares that he's actually a low-level metahuman telepath who can... Mm instigate people on their worst impulses so that's why everybody was so riled up when they saw that bedlam had been finally taken down and were chanting for brion to be the king um vandals are sharing that you know they're at this point in their partnership with dark side they were able to find some common ground and renew everything dark is going to continue his search for the anti-life equation while torturing granny goodness it looks like mm-hmm. um so savage warns them though that there is going to be a day where the light 
might have to side with the hero, specifically Halo, it, as she as he believes that she's the ultimate key to their victory for that battle that he prophesized earlier in the earlier episode where it's going to be Apocalypse versus Earth. Yeah. And uh, let me say, I hated the twist of uh, the low-level meta because mm-hmm. um, I think it's also implied that Brion's actions were in some way affected by him being there. Mm, right. Yeah, I can see that. So I don't like the idea of Brion's journey being undercut at the end by that. Um, it's a creative idea. I just think here it was not used in the best way. But in any case, we go back to the watchtower where we're having a big hero meeting. And what was weird is like they have Metamorpho like, oh, I got everybody in the back cave. Why? Why does he have the keys? Like you're an outsider. <laughs> Like, you go on one mission with Batman, you get the keys to the Batcave? I don't think that's how it works. But everybody shows up on every team, which surprises Dick. But Dick, is, but Batman says, look, you command respect. That's why everybody is showing up. And the last one to show up is Jeff. And after everyone is there, he says, look, we messed up. We were running a covert team. We thought it was going to protect you, but it ended up causing more problems. So the Justice League needs to reconfigure. So Wonder Woman... McGann and Aquaman resigned from their respective positions. And they now, and furthermore, Nightwing nominates Jeff to be the new leader of the Justice League. And initially, he's a little reluctant, but everyone immediately jumps in and says, Absolutely, this is the right choice. He even turns to Batman and says, Yo, you in or you're out? No more half measures. So he's like, Batman agrees to fold Batman Inc. into the Justice League. And Jeff encourages, Look, if we fail doing right, at least we fail on our own terms. Mm-hmm. So let's do this in the light. Let's, in the long run, we will not fail. Now he's given the Malcolm X speeches. And yeah, I also mentioned it's a great speech, powerful speech from Jeff. But I also do find it funny that he's like, Geoforce, you know, good intentions gone bad. Like Rachel Ghoul and Vandal Savage. Excuse yeah, I've been trying to figure out <laughs> what the heck happened there. <laughs> um, I think you need to check their resumes because it ain't that <laughs> serious, bro. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that, too. But there's a bigger thing we have to worry about because throughout our series here, we did see that this has caused a very big tension point between Connor and McGann. Um, we're wondering, are they going to be able to mend their fences again? So this is when McGann, she offers to give Connor back the engagement ring, saying that if he can't trust her or truly forgive her, there's no point in the two of them getting married. And this is when Connor states, I'm actually hoping you can trust and forgive me because I messed up by bringing up old wounds. Also, I'm changing the dynamic of our relationship now because I decided to join the team in a more public facing role. So things about our life is going to change drastically. And because of that, I hope that you can forgive me because I can't imagine my life without you in it. And this is where we see him bend the knee one more time to propose to her. But before he can even ask the question, she interrupts him by kissing him, which is a nice little moment because we have been kind of rooting for these two since like, honestly, like episode five, six yeah. or seven of the series <laughs> and talk to Barry um, Allen about messing up some proposals so, you know? right. 
Um, meanwhile, in more good new moments, we got Kid Flash, Beast Boy, and El Dorado are watching as Wendy Jones feels confident enough to take off her inhibitor collar. Um, Forger is at school and he takes off his glamour charm to the cheers of everyone who are excited. I'm assuming to have an alien in class. Like I, I feel like I too would cheer if like an alien was just like, hey, I'm an alien. Not if he was a bug. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It would take me a minute. <laughs> It's, it's going to take me a minute, all right? If a big-ass cockroach was like, hey, I've been your next-door neighbor, I, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> it was like, do I throw away all my rage or not? <laughs> Is it offensive to step on your cousins? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> We saw men in black. We... <laughs> How do you feel about this lantern plot situation? Like, <laughs> um, Meanwhile, we also see that um, Cisco, uh, again, Random character that popped up earlier in the season is getting bullied at school. This is when Victor steps in and stops it from happening. Um, that is an escalation of the situation, but I've never seen one. <laughs> uh, Brion invites Infinity Inc. to um, be a part of the Markovian force that he's trying to build of metahumans. Black Lightning is standing by the window as his new role in um, as the leader of the Justice League. And the best moment of all, we head on over to Bibbo Babowski's diner for a private party for all of his friends. Um, they're eating a piece of pie and all of that, getting refills of coffee. When this waitress starts walking up to them, they're very much focusing on this waitress and including the ring on her finger, which is a golden ring with an L-shaped insignia on it, which for DC fans, you know what this means. For people who are now trying to figure out what this means, it's a legion of superheroes. We're not going to bury the lead for y'all because we mm -hmm. had to wait over a year for it. We're not going to do that to you. <laughs> when we thought it was canceled, so. Right. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's who. Uh, so with that, our show ends. There's a small little after credit scene um, where we do see that the finger that was severed from Lobo some episodes ago has now turned into a full, creepy, childlike thing that gets stomped out by Lobo. Um so while we deal with that emotion of not of not only having Lobo's finger stomped out, but also our hearts when we found that this had gotten canceled at that time. <laughs> uh we're gonna leave you with this podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Attention culture consumers Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right, so now that we've finished up season three, Young Justice Outsiders here, uh, which of our two episodes do you feel should get the most whelmed award for today? So this is rare. This has only happened maybe one time before. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say neither. Ooh. Neither gets the whelmed. And this is why. These two episodes should not have ended the season. Mm. But they should not have been the season finale at one time, the series finale, simply because while they do 
bring ends to storylines that were started near the beginning of the season. The season started with the metahuman trafficking. Mm-hmm. That was resolved in our previous episode bunch. So now that the, that's resolved, it's over. These last two episodes yeah. are an epilogue. And I don't feel like there was enough material here to hang on the end of the season. Because, yeah, so we started with Markov. Even though we started with Markov near the beginning, where this ends is, just, it wasn't about him. It wasn't about the league coming together. It doesn't even have a cameo from Darkseid in the end. <laughs> so it really doesn't feel like this was the full circle. It felt like two episodes ago was the natural place to end it. And that some of these issues could have been resolved in, uh, you know, a season four. So maybe they had found out it was on the bubble and wanted to rush to conclude everything with two episodes. Maybe they were saving some of this material. So if I find out the behind the scenes, what happened, I'll reevaluate. But if this was truly what they intended to be as the epilogue, I do think both fall short in justifying the two more episodes that you're watching in this season. And as a side note, if you're going to try to make Megan the one who needs to be apologized to for lying to Superboy in the last episode, maybe don't have an episode before where she lied to her best friend in the world by creating an illusion of her dead boyfriend. (laughs) Just a thought to make us more sympathetic towards her end. I... You know what? As I was watching it, I too felt like both of them were like decent enough episodes, but nothing that I can really say fell truly in line with what I would say is a true Young Justice episode. Like, um, I think Nevermore felt like an exaggerated version of Summit in a way, mm. where it's just like we they were like we need to throw in the plot twist and. And also just to say, Nevermore felt like my most well-known episode. Um, but be- mainly because it just, in comparison to Overwhelmed, Overwhelmed was great for its moments, but didn't connect with the series as much as I thought it would. Um, because it does give us two great moments where it's just like this closure about Wally for, I guess, for not only Artemis, but for us as well. Um, and also this moment to create like a character struggle for Connor with his conversation with, um, oh, God, I just realized Double X is, uh, is that, is that, is that how you pronounce his name? Because, dang, they were plat- plotting that out for a minute now. <laughs> Malcolm X, X. <laughs> DMX, coincidence? <laughs> but with Overwhelmed, it just felt more like a closure moment for this long story. And I agree. I think that the closure moment about Wally should have happened earlier because it does feel very fresh. With like timeline wise, it does. It is like only a couple weeks between episode twenty four when there's like that big fight with Granny Goodness and that whole fever dream that they had, and then her needing closure about this. But for us watching it, it's literally just waiting. Um, at the time, it was just a week, so. For for us, it's like here it is that she has this fever dream with Nightwing about Wally, and now she's like, I need to have closure with Wally, while at the same time, almost telling Nightwing that she felt some closure about Wally during their conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seemed like it was a little over the that whole thing about 
um, Connor. Again, these are great things to develop, but to have it get wrapped up by the following episode, it feels like this is something that this whole Geranium City could have been, could have, yeah, I'm assuming this is all because they thought that they were going to be gone again. Mm -hmm. um, Geranium City, I feel like, could have been a season four thing. The, having that story develop and build out and uh, talking about what's going to happen in um, like the intro episodes for like, because in season four, a bit breaking down between like the original members and where they are trying to build themselves up to, that would have been a great story for Connor in season four. So the other thing about it too is just like Nevermore, it does a great job in assembling this large ensemble cast for the series that they've developed. And I can't forgive, but the one thing I can't forgive them about is uh, the fact that about these microaggressions. <laughs> um, these, I, mean, I keep saying microaggressions. I'm so angry about it, but I mean <laughs> microexpressions. That is the only downside about this entire thing because it just feels like that was just a quick pull to try to see if we could wrap up something like we've seen them kind of like rush the story and end things but like especially with like blue beetle and him getting his thing cured with the uh the 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 egyptian temple and all that like it just feels like so it just feels like a much very much like that it was just like this one small moment mm -hmm. from way back in the previous episode that had no context to the actual plot whatsoever is the thing that saves the day it's really out there it's not the greatest ending and the that's why i kind of agree with you where it's just like none of them should get it um but if i had to choose one it's got to be nevermore just because the closure for wally did not feel like a young justice episode it felt mm -hmm. more like we're just doing this for the fan service a little bit but it was good fan service because i think that all this time of them you know dropping in hints that like hey wally could come back like having um scenes where it's just like wally as kid flash is in it even that whole fever dream that um beast boy had that was just, we here wondering is wally coming back this is the moment that we needed but again mm -hmm. they still didn't even commit because it wasn't even truly wally yeah and then they kind of retcon it later uh in the next season because they really don't know what to do with wally yeah um a lot <laughs> Yeah, and if, if if you think we're being unfair, we, we do want you to consider that this is the second time Young Justice has done this, <laughs> mm -hmm. specifically with rushing to the end with things they did, they could have kind of resolved earlier. And the difference here with like with when you look at Blue Beetle, at least in that situation, him being cleansed of the bug leads into a couple of episodes where it really folds out and he really becomes and this is all season. His question of, mm -hmm. is he going to be the thing that kicks off a, a, a reach apocalypse? And this is a culmination of so many things. Tara being a double agent doesn't really amount to the same stakes. Yeah, she could kill Beast Boy or not. But even that, she loses a social media battle. The stakes are not translated as easily here. Mm -hmm. It's, it is not, we don't see any proof that that's what happened. We knew Reach, if they won, the planet was gone. But here, it was a little less ambiguous. So yeah. it does feel like Young Justice has this issue, the two issues, as much as we love the ongoing narrative, and I love coming back to it, it's timing of really important plot points 
that made sense other places really could have been is sometimes put to the back burner mm-hmm. for big events. Um, maybe it's like the comics in that way, but <laughs> and one other thing to consider is Terra and Artemis. Artemis was not exactly the team backstabber back in the mm-hmm. day, but she did hide things from the team. She did hide about lie about her sister, lie about her parentage and how she got there. So to for her not to figure that out by herself, that um Tara was also undercover and then apply her own experience to Tara's big missed opportunity. Yeah. Huge missed yeah. opportunity. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's the kind of things we're, we're that we're pointing out here is that there were opportunities to really weld some things together and tie them together. For some reason, these endings are just rushed. Yeah. You know, and and hopefully I mean, I'm trying. I don't remember too much of season four right now, so you know, it'd be good to rewatch and see if it plays out in a very similar way. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna find that all out together. Um, for today, though, we don't have any comic book stuff because this wrapped up so much. Um, there wasn't anything new to bring up. Um, so story wise, we're just going to start prepping for the next season. We are going to do a couple of episodes. We are going to do the audio play. We're going to try to see if we can um, break that down for y'all. And I wish the audio play was what was produced during Comic Con and uh, I think a couple of New York City Comic Con a couple of years or DC Fandom. Sorry. <laughs> um, me, oh, remember me, that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was produced for, uh, for DC Fandom. It was a special episode. Um, so we're going to talk about that one. We're also going to do a Halloween episode for y'all. We're going to find the perfect Halloween episode to give Andrew some frights. That is it Batman Unlimited one more time. That's too scary. We, I can't revisit it. It's too scary. <laughs> and then after that, we're going to jump right into uh, Young Justice Season 4. So with that, that wraps up our episode. So be sure to check us out on our socials and our Patreon for more content. We're starting to build up our library over there as well. So take care of yourselves and remember that, like Jefferson, if you start quoting Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven in a fight, you may have won. Like, I I feel like that's the automatic W right there. And if one of your classmates reveals themselves as a huge bug or any kind of roach, it is okay to not be okay because that's a big-ass roach. (laughs) And you thought it was a regular dude. So (laughs) take your time. (laughs) Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC animated podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod. 